Welcome to GP Cool Content, and this one we're going to talk about dyspepsia, um, mainly talking about gourd and talking about um, the unsettled infant. So the red flags in dyspepsia revolve around anemia, dysphagia, painful swallowing, hematemesis, melina, unexplained weight loss, vomiting, being older, chronic NSAID use, family history of colorectal cancer, and severity of symptoms with the aim of excluding the serious disorders of stomach cancer, pancreatic cancer, esophageal cancer, ischemic heart disease, uh, congestive cardiac failure, pancreatitis, and peptic ulcer. So just moving on to straight gourd in adults, the features of gourd in adults are nausea, belching, heartburn, and water brash. And the complications of gourd in adults are esophagitis, iron deficiency anemia, which you can get as a direct consequence of the gourd without necessarily being a result of bleeding. Esophageal stricture, cough, Barrett's esophagus, which is a dysplasia of your endothelium in your esophagus, and H. pylori, um, which could also be a cause of gourd. Uh, treatment of gourd revolves around lifestyle changes usually, um, usually associated with obesity and diet and alcohol intake. So lifestyle, avoiding the triggers, avoiding certain drugs that might be causing gourd, and then using antacids and PPIs. Um, so standard treatment of gourd will be something like omeprazole 40 milligrams daily up to omeprazole uh, 80 milligrams daily. Now for dyspepsia caused by H. pylori, um, you can treat that with a PPI, clarithromycin, and amoxy, so PCA. PPI, clarithromycin, and amoxy. So omeprazole, 20 milligrams daily, clarithromycin, 500 milligrams BD, and amoxy, 1 gram BD, and you do that for 7 days, and then you have a maintenance PPI after it. So treatment of H. pylori is PCA. PPI, clarithromycin, amoxy, PPI is omeprazole 20 milligrams a day. Clarithromycin is 500 milligrams BD, and amoxy is 1 gram BD. Uh, and then, so good in children is uh, an issue and possibly a cause of the unsettled infant. Um, so we'll get into gourd in children, but basically, gourd can often present in children uh, as unsettled. Um, and unsettled basically for most parents revolves around there being too much crying. Um, so there's a definition of what constitutes too much crying for kids and that's basically persistent crying can be defined as crying for more than three hours a day, three days a week for three consecutive weeks. So three hours a day, three days a week, three weeks. And it's important to remember the crying curve in kids. So the normal crying curve is to peak at about two months and then settles by four months. And the average crying is about 30 to 180 minutes per day. Um, so parents will often have, well, 20% of uh, children will have parental concern over there being too much crying, but only about 10% of these babies whose parents brought them in for excessive crying will turn out to have an identifiable cause uh, so there are a few causes of the unsettled infant. We're going to like settle on um, 
five of them mainly, you know, the in terms of being organic causes, there are obviously some non-organic causes. So the non-organic causes of the unsettled infant revolve around um, basic environment and the mum. So, you know, it can be a sign of depression in the mum. It can just be a sign of temperament in the infant. Uh, it could be a result of uh, tiredness or hunger or general colic in the baby. Um, and organic causes of the unsettled infant are gourd, cow's milk protein allergy, lactose intolerance, uh, lactose overload, and eosinophilic esophagitis. Clinical presentations of gourd. Um, so we'll talk about them one, one by one. So gourd in babies, the presentation of gourd is that you can have a baby that's crying and fussing overly during feeds, vomiting, so vomiting like more than five times a day is the cutoff, uh, and often they pull up their legs and arch their back. Uh, then they'll present at about two to three weeks of age, and the symptoms improve when the baby's held upright. Uh, so factors of that that increase the likelihood of it being gourd are vomiting more than um, five times a day, and discomfort during feeds themselves. Without these signs, it's really unlikely to be gourd in the infant. Um, symptoms of gourd in infancy. So more severe gourd, you can have vomiting, regurgitation, crying and fussing during feeds, like we just said, irritability, feeding fussiness, food refusal, hematemesis, failure to thrive, and persistent cough or wheeze. The differentials of, well, you know, talking about warning signs uh, for vomiting, so, you know, vomiting being associated with gourd, the warning signs for vomiting in infants are basically if you've got any bilious vomiting, hematemesis, any forceful vomiting, uh, simultaneous diarrhea or constipation, presence of fever, uh, if there's a bulging fontanelle, uh, if there's any micro or macrocephaly and any hepatosplenomegaly. The differentials of vomiting, recurrent vomiting in infants include, other than gourd, would include pyloric stenosis, malrotation with intermittent volvulus, intermittent susception, antral or gastric web or duodenal web, and incarcerated hernia. So when do you do diagnostic tests in infants that you suspect uh, have gourd? Uh, so you would do diagnostic tests if you were noticing poor weight gain, excessive crying, irritability, poor feeding, uh, respiratory problems. Investigations that be caught could be ordered if you suspected gourd. Uh, these would be organised by a paediatric gastroenterologist, but you could do a barium upper GI study. Um, this is not commonly done, it's not sensitive or specific for gourd, but you could rule out malrotation and hiatus hernia. Uh, you can do 24-hour esophageal pH monitoring or esophageal impedance monitoring, and both involve um, probes being placed down. Uh, or you can do an upper GI scope 
for inspection and histology. So management of infant gourd uh, revolves around feed thickening. Uh, you might want to eliminate cow's milk protein. You can use a PPI, so omeprazole 20 milligrams daily. That's not right. Uh, omeprazole 1 to 2 megs per keg per day in two divided doses. Uh, so you dissolve 20 milligram tablet in 10 mils of water to create 2 meg per milliliter suspension, but you don't crush the tablets. Uh, and pharmacies can make this in a sodabic solution. Um, basically, you would use this in conjunction with a crying diary uh, and really have some good data to show on that baby to um, work out if it's been effective or not. Uh, if the baby doesn't tolerate it or the gourd's made worse, uh, you can use a H2 receptor agonist, so something like ranitidine um, or 15 megs per mil solution and do 3 megs per keg per dose and do that TDS. Um, so other than gourd as the organic cause of um, abnormal crying or unsettled infants, you can also have uh, basically hunger as a cause of uh, the unsettled infant. So that is manifested by a baby wanting to feed too early or less, not settling after feeds, the baby having poor weight gain of less than 120 grams per week, uh, where normal is 150 to 200 grams per week. Uh, the treatment of the hunger is basically to increase the mum's supply of milk and you can use either metilium, 20 grams TDS for that, use fenugreek 100 milligrams TDS for four weeks, same with the metilium, or you can start solids at four months uh, as opposed to like six months, but basically there's no uh, history of atopy, you'd want to exclude that before you started doing that, uh, just because that can be sometimes associated with uh, allergies. <coughs> uh, in terms of colic, the features of colic uh, are basically unexplained unexplained paroxysms of irritability or fussing lasting more than three hours a day, three days a week and for three weeks. Uh, it's normal that colic is improved by three to four months and this is kind of a generic term. Um, <coughs> many cause colic, it's not actually an organic problem necessarily. Um, so you can divide it into GI causes versus non-GI causes. So non-GI causes would be stress in pregnancy, uh, can be associated with negative childbirth experiences, can be associated with relationship problems within the relationship between husband and wife or mother and baby, uh, and it may, as a theory, it's maybe due to gut immaturity or abnormal gallbladder contractility. Uh, it can also be possibly a, a manifestation of migraines, can be related to maternal smoking, uh, is more often seen in prematurity, Maybe resulted in proper feeding techniques or food hypersensitivity, lactose malabsorption, <coughs> or uh, abnormal elevation of a hormone that is to do with gut regulation, gut transit regulation. Management of colic is basically just to trial a PPI. There's various over the counter things the colic mixture, there's no good, there's gripe water, no good, Infocol, no good. Um, if there's babies formula fed, you might want to consider formula changes to eliminate lactose 
from the formula, uh, and you can get anticholinergics for there. It's quite risky in young babies for obvious reasons. Um, moving on to pathology of cow's milk protein allergy. So cow's milk protein allergy affects approximately 2% of all babies, uh, and it's important to note that even if the mother is not consuming uh, cow's milk, you can still make cow's milk protein in breast milk. Um, so it may or may not be there, but you know if you're not eating it, you're lowering your chances of passing that on. So how does it normally present? Um, so you can get IgE or non-IgE mediated manifestations. 50% are IgE mediated. So you're going to get things like urticaria, angioedema, uh, floppy pale infant, atomic atopic dermatitis, uh, infant colic, gourd, or constipation. See, there's a lot of overlap between all of these. Um, investigations in cow's milk protein allergy are basically um, revolving around skin prick testing at about six months to assess if there's an IgE response. Uh, it's important to note that a positive skin prick test has a poor positive predicted value um, for an actual allergy, but a negative test has a high predicted negative value. <coughs> uh, atopic patch testing can be done uh, in conjunction with uh, uh, serology and you can do food specific serologies uh, but you get a lot of false positives so again has a poor positive predictive value but a high negative predictive value uh, and casein and whey are the two main proteins that are the um, proteins of impact in cow's milk protein allergy. So management of cow's milk protein allergy, you want to do a crying chart, remove all proteins from the diet of the mother. Uh, if there's no improvement in two weeks and the mother should resume just a normal diet and baby should continue breastfeeding. Um, you can refer to a pediatrician and a pediatrician can trial an elemental formula such as Elicare or Neonate, Neocate. So another cause of on the unsettled infant is lactose intolerance. Um, so this is a kind of generic term more used to describe lactose overload. So that can be presented as fussiness, excessive crying, flatulence, frequent explosive watery stools, uh, mucus stool, mucusy stools, and perianal burns. Investigations for lactose intolerance, you want to do a reducing substances test uh, on the stool, so you can use um, the Clini test for that. It's not a very specific test, uh, positive test doesn't mean necessarily mean it's significant, it's got to be, uh, should be over 0.75%, up to 1% to be actually significant, they'll note the labs will often just give a positive and negative value. <coughs> Treatment of lactose intolerance in infants revolves around continuing to breastfeed, so you want to try and get to the hind milk uh, on each breast, uh, by, so by fully expressing each breast um, to the end you're going to get through the lactose is mainly in the milk and the hind milk's where all the fat is, so you want to try and continue breastfeeding and get to the hind milk. Um, you can add lactase drops to the expressed, expressed breast milk. 
uh, or you can put lactase drops directly in the child's mouth around the time of feeding. Um, and we can use lactose free formula uh, in conjunction with the crying chart to get some good data. Another cause of infant unsettled infant is the eosinophilic esophagitis. The features of that are the same as in gourd. Investigations in eosinophilic esophagitis. Uh, the gold standard is esophageal biopsy, uh, and management is basically a two or three week trial of elemental formula. So you really suspect that if you have an atopic baby or a history of atopy in the family. bring in a mother who's got an unsettled baby and how do you start so basically you just start with good history um, you know you get a history of the baby so gestational age uh, details of the birth explore when the age when the behavior started get an idea of the frequency and time of the unsettled behavior so it's really like a nildo calf uh, type history but for um, the crying uh, find out if it's associated with feeds find out the mum's method of feeding Find out what mum's breast milk supply has been like. Get an assessment of overall weight gain of the baby. Find out if the unsettledness starts before, during or after feeds. Find out whether it settles with burping, being held upright, or being held prone. Get an idea of stool consistency. So is the stool frothy, mucusy, watery, or bloody? Uh, is there any vomiting associated with this irritability? Is there any associated apnea? Is there a history of atopic disease? Get an idea of mum's SNAP history, whether she's on any recreational medications or recreational drugs. Get family history, particularly of renal disease, not sure why, and cow's milk allergy. Um, get an assessment of baby's developmental milestones. Uh, get an idea of mum's maternal depression, if she's got any and an idea of mum's maternal diet, which we already kind of just said. <coughs> Examination in the undifferentiated and unsettled baby is basically a generic um, neonatal baby check. So see if the baby's well or unwell on general inspection. Do the OBS, particularly looking at if the baby's febrile on temperature. Uh, doing top head, head to toe, so looking at fontanelle, fontanelle size, ENT, getting an idea of head circumference. Uh, looking for any oral thrush, uh, any eczema on the skin, doing a cardiovascular and respiratory exam, um, get an overall assessment of age-appropriate appropriate development, looking to see if there's any pallor or jaundice on general inspection, and to seeing if there's any organomegaly and lymphadenopathy on specific examination of those. Uh, and bearing in mind that the irritable baby can cause complications uh, on the family. So, you know, families have more stress, they have higher incidences of depression, uh, higher rates of marriage breakups, and higher rates of attachment disorders between mother and child. So, generic management of the unsettled baby. On the initial visit, what do you want to do? So, you want to, as we talked before, take a careful history and exam. 
You want to counsel regarding the normal infant crying curve, how to recognise tiredness in the baby and what a normal amount of sleep is in the baby. Assess the mum's mental state. Encourage dad's involvement. <coughs> Do you want to advise reduction of stimulation where possible? If there's any feeding problems, you want to involve a lactation consultant. If you're suspecting breastfeeding is affected, uh, you want to avoid useless established therapies. If there's any obvious gourds that you've got associated with excess vomiting and uh, unsettledness during feeds, you want to start a PPI. And remember, starting a PPI is basically dissolving um, your PPI in water and getting a 2 meg per mil solution and giving 1 to 2 megs per kilo per day. So overall for a small baby that would only be 4 <coughs> milligrams per day, um, which makes sense. Though it's slightly higher ratio for weight. Um, get a cry diary and follow up one week later. If there's an unsatisfactory response to that, um, you want to try maternal allergen avoidance. If you're suspecting cow's milk protein allergy, uh, consider a trial of hydrolyzed formula in a formula-fed infant. Get urinalysis. Uh, do a test for reducing substances in the tool stool if watery. Start a crying diary if you haven't already started that in term one, week one, and follow up again in one week. If there's still an unsatisfactory response, so three weeks, you want to try PPI for two weeks with a crying diary. Um, if you've got about one percent reducing substances in your stool. And trial a lactose-free formula while continue to express, and then if symptoms subside, you can use, um, you know, look at reducing the number of lactose exposures. So having two lactose-free uh, feeds during the most uh, irritable periods, using those lactase drops or tablets to be to the expressed milk. Uh, you can try lactose-free formula, and if that's positive, continue that for 6 to 12 months. And you want to do a maternal depression screen at this point as well. If it's still unsatisfactory, you want to refer to a specialist, so a paediatric gastroenterologist. And you want to do that, particularly if there is following symptoms, ongoing irritability, uh, failure to thrive despite high caloric intake, Hyperparental anxiety, no response to PPIs, uh, abnormal, abnormal urine results, blood in the vomit or stool, uh, or if there's any acute IgE-mediated cow's milk protein allergy response. Uh, at this point, you also want to consider basic blood, so full blood count, thyroid functions, uh, LFTs and UECs. Do skin prick testing by a specialist if there's any suspicion of allergies and the specialist can do abdominal ultrasound or cranial ultrasound uh, and you might want to do a period of hospital admission to assess mother and child's interactions and ability to cope.